Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome to Out of Oz, a podcast of Building 28 Church, where we address the fantasies and fallacies of modern Christianity with courage, conviction, and compassion. I'm your host, Peter Tragos, and joining me as always is the pastor of Building 28, Aaron Curran. What's up, Peter? I, I'm excited, man. I kind of like a scripted intro. It makes it kind of funny. It, it is kind of funny, man. It's, it's humorous now. And back today for a second week in a row on the podcast, we have the professor, Deshaun Cousins. Boogie. Appreciate Deshaun Boogie Cousins. He's yeah. a boogie. <laughs> uh, if you listened oh, last week, you know what Deshaun is into, cake pops and, and such, and that he hates coffee. Loves LeBron, but he's a huge Boston oh, Celtics man. fan. Here we go. Here we huge, go. Here huge we go. Boston Celtics. Hey, I'm not, I'm not capping on you, man. Here we go. I like that. Let's we see, also have the greatest we, of all time. Just need to throw have, that in there. Uh, as a guest on the podcast today, Mr. Scott Taylor, who is a diehard mountaineer. Let's go, Mountaineers. Yeah, diehard. I know like a, a weird amount of Mountaineers here in Florida, in Clearwater, yeah. Florida. It's like, why well, are there? Because none of them want to stay in West Virginia. Well, yeah. you know? We're also a very proud people. So I, I, think, we, I think we lead with that, I by just, the way. I just hey, don't Peter, understand nice why you. there are so many here in Florida. Yeah. But. <laughs> anyway, what do we got on tap today, though, Peter? All right. So today, we're just four dudes sitting around talking religion and politics and recording it Having for civil, everyone to hear. A civil conversation, right? Which I think Scott said is all the advice we were ever given growing up as young men, right? Like they're like, whenever you sit with four guys, you don't know that well. You just want to sit down and talk religion and politics. And wherever it goes, I'm sure nothing bad could come out of it. Nothing. nothing so bad. our main focus especially of Especially in 2020. Yeah. Our main focus, especially today when they're listening to this in the beginning of November. But um, the day, today's the day. focus will be on how Christians should react to whatever happens in the presidential election or any other political race for that matter. We're not going to focus necessarily on just the presidential election, but how should we act in a world that's so politically divisive and even within the church can be divisive on certain issues um, politically and that might not be political issues, but are being politicized. So what's your initial view, Aaron, of how a Christian should be involved in the political process What's kind of our duty as citizens of the country, but also citizens of heaven? So just let the cat out of the bag. I'm not like heavily into politics. And part of that is due to my upbringing. Like there was a, a very clear distinction between state and church in my upbringing. My dad was a, a preacher. Uh, we were in church multiple days a week growing up. And there just was not, Christians shouldn't really be engaged in politics. Christians should hold to certain moral standards, but they really shouldn't engage in politics, whether you vote or not. Like, you know, you shouldn't um, cast your lot with a political party or whatnot. That was at least how how it felt growing up. And so because of that, I, I have engaged much more so robustly in the last decade, but I'm still not aware of all the different, I don't have an opinion on all the different policies that are out there. I do have an opinion about politicians in general that is not that favorable uh, on on any side. Right, that's like something most people can agree. Yeah, with. I think most people would agree with that. Um, however, I do I do believe now that Christians should be to a certain extent. I think we just are involved in politics. Uh, we're we're yes, we're transient citizens, meaning that as Christians, our citizenship is in heaven, but in a very real, tangible sense, we're citizens here of, of particularly of the United States. 
And so we are engaged in politics, whether we want to be or not. Like we policies affect our lives. Um, and so I think that uh, just practically speaking, we we are engaged and we should be to a certain extent engaged. I think we should care about certain things. I think scripture is very clear that we should care about the poor. Um, now, how we go about doing that, that's where the divide comes in. Um, I think that scripture is clear about caring for uh, the unborn. You know, and so certain there, there, there are many things that scripture is very clear about, but how we go about doing those, it's not as clear. Uh, also, when Jesus says in the gospels that we render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God's, what Jesus is doing is he's making a case for it. Jesus lived in a, in a government that was, I think the case we made was far more jacked up than our government. He lived under a dictatorship. At, at this point in time, you know, I, I can't remember if, it, if I, I think Octavian was done around 26. So around that time, Octavian is in, in his last stages. So there's a new emperor on the throne, um, but he's living under Ro the Roman Empire, the Roman rule and under Jewish leadership. And yet he's still saying there, I think, inconsistent, like being consistent with Scripture, that if, if it does not violate the law of God, the expressly stated law of God, then the Christian is subject to his governing authorities. Like that, they're they're called to whether they are Republican or Democrat or whatever. There's a certain respect and honor while disagreeing with certain policies or certain behaviors that that comes, and that there is a paying of taxation, and there is if you're in a a democratic republic like we are, there's a voting on issues um, potentially. I know the case to be made that Christians shouldn't vote. Whatever, I'm not going to really try to come down dogmatically, but I do think that there should be some engagement around politics and right. Um, so so Scott and Deshaun, we'll start with Scott. What makes you as a Christian dude just living in America today care about politics? I think to to not engage in politics, uh, one, kind of it's it's, it's almost unavoidable, right? And then I think if I choose to not participate or, or say wh whatever my attitude is for not wanting to engage in politics, that it's, well, it's it's uh, distracting for me from being a, a Christ follower or it's it's beneath me or it's, or it's it's too secular, whatever it is. I think that's kind of naive. As well, because to, to Aaron's point, there are there are policies and that that affect our lives outside of um, what we're called to as as Christ followers. So um, for me, seeing what's going on, how I'm interacting with my loved ones, how I'm interacting with coworkers, um, and ultimately how I'm uh, interacting with the lost and people to to whom I want to represent Christ to. Um, Politics I need to. hit all those Absolutely. aspects. Yeah, Deshaun, what about you? So for me, um, the main reason for me to be engaged beyond even just my own self is because as believers, we're called to not only have our own interests, but also the interests of others. And so because politics and the different policies that are implemented impact more than just um, myself, and especially as a pastoral resident here and being a pastor that desire to shepherd and care for people, um, it matters. It matters because it's how we spend our money, how we spend our time, how we're going to be affected as we live in this country. And so how we're engaged in politics as believers matters so that we should not withdraw from it, nor either seek to dominate, but we are to um, represent Christ as we're engaging in politics. Right. And I think that, as we've talked about on some other episodes, showing Christ in our culture today, there's no way around politics because it's has such an overarching grasp on all aspects of life. You know, work, family, um, kids, other people caring for the poor, um, whatever it may be, you yeah. know, and it, it really has such a such a shadow over everything. You know, you can't get around it. If you pretend like it doesn't exist, it doesn't do any good. Um, so I think that 
you know, getting on whether or not you should vote. I don't know how much you want to get into this, but in reality, if you don't vote, that should be a a conscious decision that you're making not to vote for reasons that you have. I'm fine with that. If you vote for someone that you're you've prayed about, thought about, researched, come up with a educated decision to vote for that person, I'm fine with that, even if I disagree with who you voted for. What I the only problem I have is people that just say, I don't care. I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to look at it. To me, that's just you kind of dismissing being a part of the world that you live in and doing your best because a lot of this stuff can affect your ability to evangelize and to bring glory to God, you know, which is what we're called to do. So I think if you just totally bypass and don't think about a way that you can bring glory to God and evangelize, then you're, you are missing out on a Christian duty that you have. Unfortunately. Okay. Because I agree with you. Okay. I thought you were going to say, unfortunately, that's not what the Bible says. I was like, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, you're way off there. Uh, no, um, un, un, unfortunately, I don't think, I think, I, I think we're going to all agree on this. I don't think most Christians are keeping that front and center. That, 100%. That, no, no, like, I agree like with when that. they engage around politics. I agree with that. Yeah. No, I agree with like, that. Th- there's, there's a lot of idolatry going on in the political sure. realm today. There's a lot of savior complex. It's selfishness. You know. It's pure selfishness. I think so many people care so much about politics, especially Christians, for some selfish reason. I don't, I don't, everybody's selfish reason can be different, but so much of it has to do with selfish. My money or my thought or my guy I like the best or girl I like the best. And it's just so much about like pride and selfishness, I feel like is what I see so much, at least on Facebook or here when I talk to people so dismissive of the other person, whoever that may be. It's just like, to me, that just is not Christ-like. You know, yeah. I think that that's a good kind of jumping off point is how to be Christ-like in this atmosphere. Well, everything you mentioned in terms of just pride, and we talk about uh, with that, we see defensiveness, right? Absolutely. Well, how much does that come? How does that? How much does that reflect that? That's what your identity is in. Absolutely, that's, that's where your idols are, right? And and so for someone to to be taken, well, how dare you? I I feel personally offended. Like I think sometimes, I mean, maybe there's a question: Do we think that many people um, have taken to defending their politics in the same way that they they feel like they have to defend their faith? And, yeah, right. and we're talking about entirely different things, right? But I think yeah. there's that association. Wait, do people defend their faith anymore? I was about right. to say, I, was, <laughs> like, I think there's a lot more, more defensive politics to your well, point. Yeah, like, exa- well, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, if you just scroll yeah, so through your Facebook, you can tell who, yeah. who who stands where politically and not. Our our actions dictate or, or, or portray our idols, like for right. sure. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, what we put on Facebook, what we talk about, yep. like everything. And so, yeah, but. Well, what some people yeah. put on Facebook, some people don't really care about Facebook and, and don't okay, post yeah. like everything they think about. But I'm just saying, generally speaking to the people that know you, do they know your political affiliation first or do they know your whether or not you have faith in Jesus Christ and whether or not that's the the most important thing to you in your life and that's your purpose yeah. in life? That's well, a good and, question. And as humans, we are horrible about making connections subconsciously, right? Mm-hmm. So if people are going to associate your opinions with your faith, whether you meant to or not, and some people mean to, <laughs> but some people do not. That is going to; those are going to be intrinsically linked for sure, and that's the 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 impression again with people taking that um, uh, that read from you based on what your idols are, and are going to make all the associations they want. I mean, sure. it's we we kind of joked before we started about oh, I'm just speaking for myself and not my employer, like right. But I can't help what that's going to interpret your um, perception of me as a result of that, you know, and the things that you're going to connect me, man, gosh, are all West Virginians like this, you know, like whatever it is, right. Or are are all the answer is, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Obviously 2016 was a very polarizing dividing year when Trump first ran, Obama was coming out of a second term. 
Uh, Hillary was running for president. I mean, it was it was so divisive that you almost would have thought that it could never be topped. And then 2020 rolls around with COVID and race relations and politics. I mean, it's just been it's been crazy. And so and Trump again. And so the the mantra. I think what we're what we're all agreeing on is that there should be no idols when it comes to politics and policies. Like like Jesus and His Word and His truth is our where our allegiance primarily lies. The issue that can exist that once again I don't think any of us are going to put as forefront and say, this is how we should follow. The issue that exists is I had uh, somebody sitting in my office and talking to me. Well, I, just, I go through social media and I see all my friends posting, uh, and he brought up a particularly a particular young woman on the conservative side of the spectrum who was being basically blasted out to everybody's followers on social media. And I said to him, we just because Jesus is king and Jesus is, is a primary, that does not mean that a conservative or a progressive, a liberal or a Republican, whatever it is, can't still have very impassioned and very strong political opinions. Sure. They're just never supposed to supersede our our allegiance to Christ. And that's what, what, what we're dealing with today is either people who have, it seems like, even in the church, people who have put their allegiance to a party or a, a leader as primary, or they've almost taking the position that none of it matters, like we shouldn't have any affiliation, we shouldn't have any political opinion. And I don't think either one of those are healthy and biblical. So, so I have a question for everybody. So why do you think it's, or do you think it's necessary for Christians to even necessarily promote a specific political party or things like that? Or should they just stick to the things that are important to them, whether it be the sanctity of life and whichever side they fall on based on the sanctity of life or helping poor and underprivileged people, whichever side they be on, like the aspects that are biblical and focusing on them versus a certain person or a certain political party that they're promoting that is obviously going to bring with it. I don't care who, what politician you back. If you read anything about them or historically speaking, pick the best one and there's skeletons in their closet, just like all of us. We're all sinful men, right? No, I mean, no. but I'm just saying like some worse you than watch others, your mouth. some worse than others. But seriously, like it's the same thing when you get married, yeah. like it's two sinners getting married. There's yeah. going to be problems, right? And you're voting for a sinner to have the most powerful position in the world. It's going to create even more problems. So why tether to a, a party or a person, Deshaun? Uh, you came to me first. So I guess I'll put my cards out there. So I... Um, don't find a home in either party for that very reason. Um, so I have heard from many on the Republican side, the Democratic side. And so for me, I don't find a home in them because I feel like tethering myself to them will come with all the baggage that comes alongside sure. that. And for me as a believer, I don't want that to hinder my witness with whoever I may be able to talk to, even though I can see in different issues say, okay, I see how you come to this conclusion, how this is a Christian way to think about this. But personally, I don't land inside either party for that very danger of um, being too associated with either one. Okay. My question is not what political party you're tethered to. You feel free to share if you want. But my question more is, do you think it would be a better kind of plan of attack for Christians to promote biblical, I don't know if I want to call them policies, because that just sounds so political, but biblical what? What's a better word for it? I mean, the issue is, is that most Christians, I I can't see any Christian legitimately, and I know we're just going to be like raw and unfiltered, so I can't see any Christian saying, I don't care about the sanctity of life. I don't care about the unborn. Like, I I I see Christians saying that, or I don't care about the poor and impoverished. Like, I can't see a Christian saying that. I think I I probably could, but. Well, what I'm saying, though, is like, there's biblical principles 
meaning there's these overarching principles of caring for certain people right. and caring about life. There's not policies biblically right, right, exactly. that, that have been implemented. I mean, you can go back to the theocracy of the Old Testament with some of this stuff, but I mean, let's be real. We're not in a theocracy. And so there's no governmental system like ours that you see from scripture. And so I, I would I would hold to that's where the ambiguity comes in. And therefore, that's when, where the confusion and the disagreement comes in to the Sean's point is uh, the policies typically are much more black and white issues then when it comes to the principle of caring for people and caring about life and, and that type of thing, you know what I mean? So the, the reason there's so much disagreement, I think, among Christians on political issues is the Bible's not completely clear on some of these policies, like like, like how to care for the poor. Right. Like how to how to provide like, or right. not to provide health care. Like, 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 like it doesn't, it's not so completely then, clear. So then, Scott, why do you think people tether to political parties? Do you think there's a yeah, better way to do it for Christians? Yeah, well, I, th I think the problem is um, both the parties have an interest in aligning with one of the two of them. Sure. Right. And and further, they gain power by causing infighting and, and further division, right? And so I think as Christ followers, whatever order we want to go in which to say, oh, I, I feel for whatever reason, more alignment with this particular party, I think it's our responsibility as Christ followers to reconcile each of that party's policies with our faith and recognize where we where there's there's not alignment because there's not going to be 100% alignment right. in either way. And Some I've, people think there is. But well, yeah. well, and that and yeah. I think that's where um, that that certainty should be such a such a cautionary thing for someone. And I think that's I mean I'm I'm hopeful that this conversation is um, with our um, commitment to not finding absolutes. Other right. than other than than scripture, right? Yeah, right. I think that's that's we have so much certainty. Everyone's certain right now on Facebook, right? There's an, there's right. there's so much certainty, and I think certainty is is the biggest yellow flag we should see and say, man, wh why am I certain? And consider those things again, itemize them. And, and I think that's me. I mean, I um I'm probably the maybe the most left leaning in in the the circle, and um as a Christ follower, that's been a tough road to hoe. Like sure. like and um. There are people that are adamant that you can't lean left and be a Christian. Well, uh, like, period, the end. Our church does not align with that. I've, I've also seen quite a bit on social media now that you can't vote for, vote Trump, for Trump and be, and be a, Christian. a Christian. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, there, it's it goes on, it's on both sides. It goes both ways. Right. Um, what were you uh, going to say, though, Scott? Uh, we kind of cut him off. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, and, and so um, it's been very, I think, honestly, very helpful for my faith. Edifying. Absolutely. Yeah. As I've As I've had to... Put rubber meets road. Hey, where do I where do I feel with this? And 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 that's the easiest way for me as as a Christ follower to not carry the 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 party flag. Right. You know. Now, if, if you look at my voting, am I going to exactly. represent something? And that's where the ballot box maybe changes that. And but but again, because my identity isn't in you know the party, I'm actually a registered independent as well. But like even though I I I don't have the bumper sticker. My identity is to, to to Christ first, right? And then I get to make a policy decision on what right. I think will have the the best impact. And I think you that don't you don't have like a bumper sticker with like the, the Jesus fish eaten, the, the donkey or the elephant, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I think that like being a registered Republican or voting Republican historically is something that does have I think plenty of negative connotation, especially today. But I think that one of the big benefits within the Christian society, at least it should be with all this divisiveness, is we're starting to have these conversations where, like Deshaun said, people shouldn't be afraid to be in a political party that their brothers and sisters are going to judge them 
on their faith because they made a decision. And and here's the other thing. Focus on the family. My brother-in-law works there. There is a guy that they have. I can't remember his name. I'll, I'll have to find. I think his name is Tim. I'm pretty sure his name's Tim, which is also my brother-in-law's name, but a different guy who works in DC, right? And they're talking about how they vet certain candidates for all sorts of positions, right? Whether it's in the House, in the Senate, in the Supreme Court or some whatever judicial position. And they do all this vetting. They do interview all these people. They talk to, they look at all their decisions that they've made and they come up and they're really confident and they go out now and have a huge reach to Christians that listen to them and and say, this guy or this gal is going to be really great. Sometimes it turns out they suck and they're not at all what we thought they were going to be. So people make bad decisions, even educated decisions, even decisions where you've done your research. So we're not saying anybody's going to be perfect for who they've ever voted for before in their life, but I feel like sometimes put absolute absolutism on that to where like, how could you be a Christian and vote for this person, whoever that person is? And I've heard it a lot from people that I respect even. And I think that's the problematic nature of the church today and in 2020 is how are we going to react after this election? Are we going to call people out and saying, you can't be a Christian and vote for X? Yeah, I think in, I don't think uh, we all saw it around the holidays in the first year in 2017, the church was reeling. Like uh, the, the church had been splintered. It had been divided by all the rhetoric. Trump was arguably the most polarizing presidential candidate right on the heels of, of the first African-American president, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so many people loved what Obama did or hated what Obama did. It was already such divide that then Trump comes on the scene and you've got Hillary on the other side who many right side didn't like Trump and many left side didn't like Hillary. And so it was just, it was just a mess and it spilled over into the church instead of the church rising up. I'm applying broad strokes here, right. but instead of the church rising up in America and being a bastion of hope and light in this chaos and division, um, the church became very splintered and it left people, I think, uh, and I heard examples of this after the election feeling like I can't return to that church anymore. Like uh, my brothers and sisters I was in home group with that I was serving with right. think I'm not even a Christian because I voted for Trump or I'm not even a believer because I voted for Hillary or that I am dismissive because I didn't vote for either one, you know, and, and, that we're up against that same wall now. Right. Like, yeah. like come, come November 4th or whenever. It doesn't seem like it's, I mean, 2024 is probably not going to be much easier. No, 28, where It doesn't like, look like we're on the road to unity. You <laughs> to know, I don't un- care who wins. Well, until the Antichrist appears. Kidding, kidding. What if they're on the ballot now? According to that astrological framework, nobody is uniting society enough to be an Antichrist. I digress. So I think now... I, I think what Scott said is really important, right? So we're, we'll probably leave it at this as far as like voting policies go. But I think the most important thing is to to look at whatever policies, whatever party, whatever agenda it is, line it up with scripture, do your best as a Christian to to either make a decision to vote for someone based on that or not to vote because you feel like there's too much that goes against scripture in whatever party or policy or agenda you're looking at. And that's totally fine. Like make an educated decision, do your part as a citizen, do your, do your duty, do the best that you can for the, for the kingdom and the church as a whole, you know, not just nationwide, but around the world, you know, cause we've got brothers and sisters having trouble in other countries that are government effects. Right. So, I mean, and do your best to make those decisions. Right. So yeah. we can kind of leave that there as far as the policies go, but I want to dig into more of, what should it look like post-election, Deshaun, no matter who wins? You know, you deal with youth a lot in our church. You know, they're learning more and more about politics at an early age. How do you deal with, you know, the the really passionate 
feelings that people are going to have on both sides? What's the best way to kind of deal with that and, and give advice to people on how to act? So I'm going to do something and probably nobody ever thought could happen is say that there's a similarity in Obama and Trump and how okay. we can respond coming out, of, <laughs> coming out of time. So, But honestly, when we, when we look back and see whenever you would speak against Obama, for those who were on his side, you were not allowed to speak against him. So they have a strong defense mm-hmm. and there was a strong polarization. And similarly with Trump. And so I think what that can help us to realize is that Trump is going to either be reelected or not, or whoever's going to come in next, but men are going to come and go in the political sphere, but yet the church still remains. And so with that, that recognition that even if we don't have the political majority or we don't have political power in different ways, the thing that we have to be mindful of is keeping our integrity as the church because political powers have risen and fell, but yet the church still remains. And so keeping that as the foresight. So that's what I would be encouraging um, the students, anybody that I have time to spend with, is that reminder that the church is which is, is eternal and not um, these The candidate doesn't walk for you, yes. right? You still have your spiritual walk and journey, no matter who becomes president or wins any election or who's appointed the next Supreme Court justice, whatever, you still have your walk. And that's what, that's why I think as you go back and you look at like the early church and the Roman Empire mm-hmm. and during the, especially the periods of persecution under and you know, whether it's Nero or Aurelius or whoever. And then you fast forward even to, I mean, uh, during the Dark Ages, but post-Enlightenment, especially with all the tyranny we saw in the early last century. Like, how did the German church respond? How did the, the church across Europe respond during the reign of of Hitler, during the Holocaust? You know, you look at somebody like a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and and they, even though they're dead, they still speak because they re- they maintain that integrity. You know, like they they maintain their devotion to Christ, and and they kind of rise above the chaos and the turmoil and the division. To I mean, yes, Bonhoeffer had a, a political allegiance based upon the sanctity of life. Once again, what Hitler was doing, but his primary submission and allegiance was to Christ, and everything else flowed from that. And so he's remembered for that today. I mean, he's remembered for his cross of discipleship. And so I think. I completely resonate with that because I think that was lost in 16. It was lost in 2008. I mean, honestly, so many election cycles and years, and I think it's going to continue to be a problem in the church um, where we compromise who we are conventionally for the sake of, I mean, I think we're seeing this, right? Like if you, if you speak against, you talked about speaking against Obama when he was in office and now against Trump, like I'm on the, on the pretty far conservative side of the spectrum. And Stratton and I have had good conversations and you and I, Deshaun have had good conversations, mm-hmm. me and Pete have. Um, but yet, if you speak against Trump to some Christians, they're more offended. If they're really honest, I don't think a lot of them would be than if you were to speak against Christ. Hmm. Like if you were to deride Christ and mock Christ, that is less offensive at times in the cultural subculture of Christianity um, in the makeup right now than if you were speaking to Jesus. And some of our listeners might be like, never, never, never. And that might be true for them. But I think others were not willing to take a hard look in the mirror and say, that's actually true. Like that's actually true. I have a greater allegiance to Obama or to, I bet you Trump, in two then, seconds they could list all the great things they feel like Obama did while he was president or Trump did in his four years as make president. Make a defense. They right, can make an right. apologetic they be like, look, He did this, 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 this. Like, over, over Christ, yeah. yeah. And you're like, talk about Jesus. What do you do? It's like, he died on the cross. <laughs> it's like, it's embarrassing. It's really it, embarrassing it how people get lost in this stuff. Well, well, and maybe similar to that, we we have the issues. I'm thinking about, you know, how do we prevent this? How do, how do we address this going forward, right? And the easy answer is just, oh, be compassionate, right? And, and it is, and that, that, that's the answer. Spoiler alert, that's the answer. But what does that even look like? And I think about just the proliferation of 
there's so much dehumanization that's happening. And I think even when we talk about Republicans and Democrats, well, if if I look at someone as a Republican or a Democrat rather than as Jim or Joe, right. well, then it's instantly made it that much easier for us to not even bring compassion into it. Right. So I, I think so much of this begins with humanizing and having conversation, which we've we joked about, but it's a lost art, right? Man, discourse. Remember that? Like, man, I, I, yeah, and that, I, was, I, that I always, was our first conversation when Scott and I sat down. It's like halfway through the conversation, we were like, it's just refreshing to talk policy. Yes. And what, like talk what, about po- oh my gosh, civil conversation yeah. I've had more this. conversations yeah. with like normal people on both sides of the aisle now where you can just talk about stuff and be like, I know this stuff's all crazy, but let's just kind of talk and you can talk now. And that's what I'm saying. I'm hoping that maybe out of some of this extreme divisiveness, we're able to, as the church, and even like, I'm thinking of some of the people that aren't even Christians that I've talked to about this that are do not align politically with me. And it's been fine. And everybody can realize how crazy it is. Like, this is just, it's just not normal. Well, and and asking questions, you know, right. and, and not pres- presuming that you're in, in the full realm of knowledge. Hey, why do you feel that way? Right. You know, and, 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 and truly mean it and truly right. be ready for someone to, to give that. I mean, it's, it's, it's testimony too, you know, just yeah. back to, to again, and Hey, the great testimony of just the blind man. Hey, what, I don't know. I was blind. Now I see, I, I, I was blind. Now I see. And people took that testimony and said, Oh, okay. And they, they ran with that in half the town, you know? Right. Well, Hey, why do you feel this way? Well, Hey, this has been my experience. And, and so now you immediately understand where someone's coming from. Right. right? And you immediately understand that, um, someone is, is passionate about something for, for a reason that humanizes them. Mm-hmm. And then, gosh, well, we can leave away that, that will disagree, you know, agree to disagree. Well, gosh, how much more productive is that even than the state of things now, which is why are you like this? Why, how awful are you? You know, and using horrible language to just describe people based on a very small impression of them that's been labeled or, or we're always looking in today's culture for opportunities to be like Christ and be a light and be someone that can be an example of what Christ's like. And it's like, this is this such an easy and perfect opportunity. No matter what happens, win or lose, you can be a gracious winner. You can be a gracious loser showing grace to people, the attributes of Christ. You know I mean? Just like a you huge, think, gracious winner. Huge. Yeah. So I just mean like, seriously, it's like, it's so obvious and people can't help themselves. It's like they're physically, it's like a physical impossibility for them to just be nice and gracious if somebody were to post something. That's what we're getting at. It's conventional yes, for them. Exactly. It's not just an opinion anymore. Exactly. It is something that so much deeper you hurt my child. Yes. It, it's not just going to be like, hey, you shouldn't have done that. It's not just an opinion. It's a conviction. I'm yeah. going to respond to that. That's how it is. You hurt my candidate. You hurt my political party, my identification. And it really comes down to, like, if we're talking about the biggest danger with this, it's identification, like, for the church. Like, we have identified with a politician, with a party, with a system of thought. And and people will be like, no, I haven't. But once again, you just look at their rhetoric and you look at their post mm-hmm. and you look at their feed and all they talk about. Like, Deshaun came in. He came on our staff a couple months ago now. And um, he's he's been awesome. I'm not just saying that because he's here. He's been awesome. And uh, no, but he was like last night we were we were hanging out with some of the leaders from the church. You know, we were like, share with us your experience. Like, what's it been like? Like, what's what what have you loved? And what's been a concern? And so he talked about what he's loved, and primarily that was the community and making. What's the concern? And and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Deshaun, but it was basically I've never been around Christians that talked this much about politics. And granted, I don't think there's an issue with talking about politics, but there's so much divisive rhetoric um, nowadays, and hopefully that's not predominant in our church. I know it exists in our church. Sure. Um, but it's it's dangerous when the church becomes known for that. 
like once again, we can go back to how we initially began this, that mm -hmm. Christians should be involved in politics and we are immersed in politics. I mean, like policies affect us, yes. But when we become known for our policies, it's evidence that our identification is wrapped up in that instead of in It's just so much about winning an argument and being right with yeah. people sometimes too. It's just like a pride issue. And when when it comes to politics, people just, and it's hilarious, if I may say, how little the knowledge is that people think that they have when they go into these arguments and like think that they've won an argument or prove that they're right. And it's like, do you never think about the reverse? Like, what if you're wrong? Don't you want to be gracious to this person if they're wrong? And you'd, you'd want the same grace back if you were wrong. Like at the end of the conversation, if we had a conversation and I ended up being wrong, I would hope that that conversation went away to where I'd still be able to face you the next day and like still be friends. Like, that's hypothetical because that's yeah, never happened exactly. for you. Right, <laughs> for me. Well, and, <laughs> except for politics, like for some reason, I don't have that, I don't have that, yeah. that blood in my vein no. to go crazy over politics. Generally, arguments and being right is an issue for me. But, <laughs> but like to me, this is like, this is like embarrassing stuff. I mean, it's just, there's no grace. Well, and how much do our communities inform our ability to have those vulnerable moments, right? Like if if we are surrounded solely by like-minded people right. who, that is who look like us, who who and do the same things, absolutely. Pump, pump each yeah, other man. up and keep pouring gasoline yeah. on it. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. And so that's where, you know, 2020 versus 2012 or, or you know, how, how quickly it's become where, again, we talked about discourse is gone. Well, how much of that is being informed by if I'm surrounded by my surrounded myself with people who are only firing me up, mm -hmm. dehumanizing people who who disagree, and then suddenly someone comes along with a different opinion that is so foreign to me, right? And and that's again where you know we, we lived in the Bible Belt for 13 years, and so if you're left of center in the Bible Belt, you're you're kind of in the minority, right? So right. like it stretched me though, but as a result of that, I feel more confident in my identity of certain policies, like like my 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 leaning on certain policies as a result, and again always reconciling, gosh, my identity cannot be in this. How do, how do I do that? And so um, I think that's another one of those action items for people to look around. Hey, when was the last time you had a conversation with someone on the other side of the aisle? Like conversation, right? And not just the Facebook post, like right. face to face. Yeah. I know, you know, maybe with a mask or, or outside, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough in a pandemic, but people are a lot less tough too when it's, when that, well, that's exactly yeah, right. yeah, there's a lot of with, with, with on social or media without a mask. Like I usually life. much prefer face to face sure. conversations because yeah. then it's just like, let's cut it, man. Yeah. Let's just, and it's, very easy to be like you're being disrespectful now right. like it's very yeah. easy to do that face to face that's right. and somebody will notice and they'll be like most normal people especially you know someone you go to church with or whatever you're like you're starting to be a little bit disrespectful let's just take <laughs> it back and keep talking about the whatever online they're they're more prone to be like oh you want to see disrespectful here yeah. i go <laughs> right. but yeah. when you're talking to them like it's yeah. it's a lot harder yeah. to be blatantly disrespectful and dehumanizing like you're talking about well and and i know we've we said we've seen a lot online but i don't think i've ever seen someone say online i don't know <laughs> right, like no, you're if, not if, post if, that. right. If someone's challenged, well, uh, and I'll show you, you know, and I'm going to give my link, and you're yeah. going to give your link, yep. and that kind of stuff, as opposed to say, you know, I don't know. Let me talk about that, or, or, or let me let me think about that. Let me go research that, or why is this important? Again, asking more of those 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 motivation questions rather than trying to treat something that may not necessarily be right and wrong with the level of being right and wrong. And I was going to say to your point of that need for being engaging with actual people and stop doing our politics only online. And so even you were getting at it earlier, Peter, of not only thinking about the presidential election, but even civil, because especially I've seen, at least for my own self, 
how much our civil government matters with COVID response. Because depending on where Local you live- Local government affects your life more than the president, yeah, I promise. And, People but, don't realize that, but it absolutely is true. Local judges are so opinion. much more important yeah, than who's the opinion. Supreme Court. <laughs> no, I'm telling you right now, I, the one thing I can say I'm an expert at is how local judges affect your life more yeah. than the Supreme Court judge, judges do. But yeah. but it's it's so easy to get caught up only in the national because it's the sexy. It's everybody can talk about it. Everybody can have an input on it, but actually we're impacted so much more by a local. And so- if you are adamant about religious liberty, are you sharing your faith? Are you trying to build your children up to know the Lord? If you're adamant about different immigration things, are you caring for those who are in that need? Are you actually engaging in your community with whatever policies or whatever platforms that you support? Are you then taking those and utilizing those for your actual community instead of it just being, all right, I did my vote for the national and everything's over? You fought or, so hard to make sure we could talk about Jesus at work. Yeah. Do you talk about Jesus at work? Mm. You know, it's like people fight really hard so we can keep that religious liberty. It's like, but well, do you actually ever talk to any of your coworkers or employees or anything about Jesus while you're at work sure. well, or show them Jesus with how no. you act? Well, is that not just abdication of, well, I checked the box. Right. Right. And I did my part to fight for it. Right. Yeah. I have a good question, unless you had a thought you wanted to share. No, I was, uh, uh, to your point, you and Strauss point, the, that's, that's been happening a lot mm-hmm. in 2020. There's so many social media warriors around the issue of like, let's take the issue of social justice and race as an example. I met with someone last week from our church who is, um, and I, I hate to like, to once again, broad brush people, but he's on the left side, the more left leaning side of the social justice debate. And I asked him and he, he I think he agreed, like, what are we doing? Because everybody's like, what is the government going to do? And what is the church going to do? Instead of asking, what am, what am I actually tangibly doing to, to address this issue? to minister in the face of someone who has has been marginalized or who is wounded because of racial relations in our country like like that it's not even doesn't even seem to be asked it's just all i mean it's in like a how lot big of circles. a stink can you make is kind of what, yeah, it, what it's, it comes it's down like, to for, it's like, for all of these policies like how loud can you be about the policy not even about what you apparently are, are what are, what to are care we about? doing as a church in the face of ministering to our community in in a pandemic or a, a you know, an epidemic, whatever, like, what are we doing to, to, for race relations? Like, what are, how are we actually serving the poor and, and the impoverished? Right. Like, what are we actually doing exactly. individually as Christians? Right. It's so much easier just to check a box or right. make a post. Like about this how political we party be. really cares about the poor because I voted for them. I care about the poor. It's yeah. Like, well, and that's, that's such a uniquely American thing. I don't pretend to know anything about world politics, but you know, if, if we were in, in, in China and we weren't voting for our elected leaders, but we were Christ followers in the underground church of China, it would be upon us anyways through our through our relationships right. and through our our hands to to see things happen um, and see the poor served and, and see uh, justice happen. Yeah. So here's my question. So yeah. so and I also we could be practical about this, too. So I think obviously some of some of our advice just as living in the world and being Christian guys in the world, posting about it on social media I would say read multiple times to make sure whatever your post is, is respectful, right? As Christians, no matter which side of the aisle you're on. And factual. There's so much misinformation though. There is though yeah, no, on both sides. Or just yeah. quit Facebook like I did in July and haven't looked back. <laughs> that's yeah, that is, your life will be much better. Is that that after happened. you became famous on Facebook, you, you yeah, 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 that yeah. was gonna be my I was gonna be like, Scott, you little known fact, he was famous on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so so that would be something that's practical. Also, get out and use the liberties we have. Right. Don't just fight for the liberties we have, but use the liberties we have, like caring for the poor, religious liberty that you're allowed to talk about. Jesus, we're allowed to openly worship, pray, do whatever we want as far as as living a Christian life. Like there's no governmental restriction on that right now. Yeah. 
and and use your religious liberties that you're we're fighting so hard for or so loud about and you know give grace and the attributes of Christ that the Bible shows us that's how we should be acting to people we disagree with like see Christ in them especially if they're a Christian brother or sister it's like they are also covered with Christ, you know, and positionally saved and see the face of Jesus when we talk to somebody that might not agree with us politically. So here's a question, practically speaking, what are Christians, what should Christians do? What should be our reactions? What should be our actions with all of the news networks and media and everything surrounding politics? And we're specifically talking, again, post-election. Because I think want. that's what this is sure. about. Well, that's more what people so. are going to hear it, so sure. Um Advice for or against sharing, giving your own thoughts or opinions on an article. But how about just as simply as none of them are the Bible? Sure. Right? Like, and, and, and we shouldn't wield any of them like they are. And I think too many times we are. Hey, I found the, the supportive proof. Here you go. I'm going to throw this at you. Right. And, I, and I'm guilty of this as well. Like, um, oh, you know, I, I, how many times have I Googled something to find my, something exactly. that will support my, I, I, right. I work backwards, Coronavirus right? Coronavirus death right. count is too high. Right. Oh, here's an article that says coronavirus death count is too high. It's like, well, yeah, that's how Google works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and so I think some of it is, you know, go back to more evidence-based things, right? Sure. That 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 we can't, hey, at the end of the day, you can't dispute what my experience is in something, right? My personal experience, not not a buddy, not something mm-hmm. like that. It is my personal experience. So when we do that again, back to, to humanizing things, man, I, I don't know. I consume so much that... I would say it, it's it's that grain of salt thing. Like what a what a weird. I mean, I know it's like very cliche, but just don't let our our hope be in any of these resources. Um, and just think about the people behind all of them. I don't know. So obviously, this show is out of Oz. We've talked about it. We have a a trailer that perhaps some have watched, some haven't watched or listened to. I haven't heard um, it yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the 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 kind of mantra when we come on is. You know, addressing the the issues of our culture, the fallacies and the fantasies the world lives in, kind of like the citizens of Oz were living in, when there's a real prevalent uh, evil that exists, that existed in Oz and exists today. And the way we address that ill um, or that evil is through the epitome of the three figures in The Wizard of Oz uh, with courage, which... Once again, there's a lot of boldness and courage on social media. There's not as much in person, like mm-hmm. courageous, compassionate like those two words don't typically go together. So a courageous compassion and conviction though, like we're not supposed to relinquish our convictions as, as believers. And so we talk about whether it's pre-election or when most people listen to this, either the day before political election. Yeah. Yeah. Political election. Yes. <laughs> Pre-political election or post, um, whether it is national or, or more localized. I think that Christians, we need to keep in our minds, okay, there's convictions that we hold not political convictions necessarily, right. but biblical convictions that we hold, like that we don't compromise. We're not going to compromise those. We're not going to back down from those. At the same time, we hold them with courage. Like we need to speak up for our faith that, that hey, after the election, Jesus will still be king on the throne just as he is before the election. Like he's still in control, that this doesn't take him by surprise, that if Biden wins, or Trump wins, he's not taken by surprise. We might be flabbergasted, but he's not taken by surprise. That he's in control. We remind one another of that. We need to be remember that's that's a conviction, and we need to courageously declare that. Like in the face of, we're going to see lament, and I actually think lament is is mourning over the the brokenness of our society is a good thing for Christians, and whoever gets elected 
there could probably be some good morning based upon sure. what that person values or says they value or or what they don't value. But we're not gonna, I don't know if we're gonna see a ton of like good biblical mourning. It's going to be, oh my gosh, the king of America did not get reelected. And there's going to be just a mourning. The world is over. The we world are is all over. losing we all of our liberties. We won't recognize like, America in four yeah, years. Like, yeah. you know, like they're just, taking all our money. They're taking yeah, all just, our whatever. Or, yeah. or, you know, Trump gets reelected, and right. and then it's it's minorities are all the, uh, yeah. like go run high, and you know, so, whatever. It's all. I mean, and so I think there should be a good morning of our sin, but like we should be able to courageously, from our conviction, address and probably not on social media, probably not under their news feed, like when somebody yeah. posts something, but text them or call them up or see them at church and be like, "Hey, I'd love to grab coffee. I'd love to chat about this." So some good things are going to happen potentially when your candidate's elected. And some bad things for the other side, but our hope is not found. It truly is not. And I know that 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 sounds simplistic, but I think it's theoretical for a lot of Christians. Yeah. Like we are placing our hope in reality in a political sure. figure um, or system. I also think that it's not necessarily a bad thing that Obama was president for eight years, Trump's president for four years. So both sides can see that whoever's president is not their savior. The you know, problem I, I think is that God the, does things like for a reason. You I know? think the like, problem, yeah. and y'all y'all can call me out if you don't agree, yeah. but from what I see from my vantage point, is that both sides oftentimes refuse to see. A hundred percent. Like they refuse to actually see that that so the the right side, right leaning side, refuses to see anything good that possibly could have come out of the eight years under Obama. And the the left leaning side oftentimes refuses to see, not not everybody, that's right. you know, it's, yeah. it's, that's generalizations, but they refuse to see anything good that's come out of the last four years under Trump. And so even though, yes, hypothetically, it's good that we've had people on different sides of this, because if we're thinking logically, then we can see, oh, you know, there was some good that came out of those. Well, it's even years. like twenty twenty. I said there was like there's some been some good things about twenty twenty. Somebody's like, don't say that. You yeah, can't say that. because we don't like, think logically. Oftentimes, God's we think emotionally. God in twenty twenty, man. You know, it's like, yeah. what were you gonna say? No, I was I was gonna agree with you actually with the point you're making. I think that's one of the big things I'm hoping to see as we come out of this mm -hmm. is whether you are Democratic or whether you are Republican being honest about where your party is at instead of just it's all good or all bad, um, depending on which side you lean, and especially as we're consuming media, recognizing that every media source has some agenda or bias. Right. That's, they make that's money the nature off of, of what, like, what they're doing. The more we care and hate each other, the more money they make. As they have their agenda and bias, that's understood, but we should also understand there is an opposite on the same exact story explanation of right. it. And so for us as believers of not just taking secondhand information from whatever resource, but a lot of times listening to them, listen to if Trump has a message or Biden or whoever it is, actually listening to what they're saying or read what they've actually written to say, all right, I either agree with this or disagree instead of just whatever your political bias and taking it through that filter. And they're telling you, oh, this person, you should feel this particular way about what they've said. And I think like, too many Christians just stop at that second hand and then they respond to it the way they're told to respond. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I'm already in my head day after the election or, you know, right. midnight, whenever we get the results. Gosh, um, right. <laughs> January. Right. Yeah. Who right. knows when the results are <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Well, and, and, and even in that interim time, right? Like yeah. there's going to be, especially because, again, we talked about political parties, which are not our idols, right. which, yeah. you know, we have become idols for people, but that's not what we're, what our hope is in. The political parties have that, that, that agenda. It's in their interest to, instigate and to get us all riled up. Right. And I think it's just so, I mean, back to, to where we as Christ followers need to step up in this 
in these seasons to be the peacemakers, to be the people who are who are quelling the 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 emotional response and and violence and 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 all the things that are happening. We need to be the calmer voice in the room. That begins with that compassion. That begins with getting to, getting to know folks and and not being uh, so involved in the rhetoric that's that wants us hyped because that's that's when the parties will get control over us is when exactly. we're, we're hyped up and so we have so much more power than a political party because we have Jesus right, right. but when we abdicate our responsibilities to the parties or we we treat it as a binary issue well no I'm all all blue or all red well then we are are falling right into their trap and and that's what's going to cause this disunity in our in our congregations. Yeah, like people are surprised that there are two sides to stories sometimes. And <laughs> it's like, how could you ever? I, I live in a world where someone's injured in a car accident, let's say, and there's a MRI that shows a certain injury and a doctor says, yes, this happened in a car accident, fixes it with a surgery. There will be another doctor that looks at the same MRI and reads the same medical records and says, nope, this injury didn't happen in the car accident, didn't need surgery, this person's per perfectly fine. And you look at it and you think, how is it possible that two guys that are doctors looked at this and came to totally different conclusions when it seems so obvious, and yet people are still surprised that there are two networks that make money that say the opposite thing on just about every issue? I just, I don't understand why people are surprised at that. And I think that's the point of what Scott said. This is not biblical. This is not your idol. Like, it's okay to watch. It's okay to listen. It's okay to learn. But realize that everything everybody says might not necessarily be hundred percent true. Like there may be a slant to it a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's important. This is important to say, practically speaking, right? If you're already the person that's been calling people out and loud mouth on Facebook and tough guy on Facebook, that's okay. Like repent and move on and change your ways now. Right. And it like, doesn't mean okay. you can't be passionate. That's about. what I'm saying. We all have very passionate yeah. political right. leanings. And it doesn't mean just because you've yeah. said something you regret in the past on Facebook or some other social media and you're sitting here thinking like, oh, these guys are talking about me. Like, fine move on from it and now be a peacemaker and now be like, listen, I was like that once you have experience now that will help that person that's going Absolutely. off. I was just like that three months ago, dude. And then I realized like he's been president for four years. My life hasn't changed that much or, you know, on either side, good or bad. Maybe you didn't want him to be whatever. It's just, it didn't change my life that much. And, and I realized I focused more on that than Jesus or whatever, you know, like it's, it's not too late to change the way you act about politics. That's for sure. I think, you know, to come back to what we were talking about earlier, the we're so divided. We're so splendored that the unifying of the church now, post-November post, post -November 3rd, that's mm -hmm. what's going to be like so paramount, is that I think it's going to be, okay, for some, they're going to look at you and go, oh, he voted for Trump. He's racist. Right. Or he, vo he voted for Biden. He doesn't care about the unborn. Right. Or he voted for whoever the libertarian candidate is, like, so he smokes weed. So, like, so he doesn't whatever, care whatever about whatever the election. It might be, you know? <laughs> like, whatever it might be, though, seriously, there's going to be all these stereotypes that exist around... Yep kind of whitewashing somebody and going, they agree with all of this in this line. That doesn't mean you can't be impassioned in your disagreement right. with the policies of the candidate that they voted for. And you can't, but like Strauss said, there should be civil compassionate conversation around, okay, just because I don't agree with all the policies of Trump or Biden, this is how I cast my vote. And you might just dis dis disagree with them. You might say, I I'm not there. I can't see that. I can't justify that in my mind. But, but yet people use passion as an excuse. I mean, I think the definition sure. of passion mm -hmm. is important because for sure, yeah, passionate is not rude. It's not demeaning. It's not you know uh, something that is is off putting. That doesn't mean you can be very passionate about something and you don't have to be offensive to the other person that you're talking to. Absolutely, and, and like like calling somebody saying like you're aborting babies if you vote for 
a certain thing, a certain political party or whatever, or you are a racist if you vote for, for a certain political party. It's just not true. You yeah. know, I mean, that that's the point. Now, you may think that they are furthering those agendas. That's fine. And you can tell them that. Like, I think it's bad to vote for this political party because I think you're furthering that agenda. And it's like, I don't. And here's the reasons why I don't think I'm furthering that agenda. That's a totally fine conversation that can have a lot of passion behind it. But that opens up conversation. That's just not name calling and absolutism and shutting people down and and breaking off any communication you have with them and any chance you ever have to do good together. That's what I'm saying. I, I think as once again, as people are listening to this, the results are coming in or maybe they're in or whatever, right? Like they're they're, and I, so, they're not listening to this. If, if the results are coming in, I promise they got okay, something yeah. else. Honestly. Well, what like we said, the results might be coming in for a month or more. Yeah. So who knows? But I think there's gonna be some serious triage that has to take place after this. Yeah. In the yeah, souls of people. I agree. And I think there's going to be that the fracture that we've seen leading up to it continue, or people at least severely wounded because of the fracturing of this and walking into church and knowing that their pastor voted a certain way or their worship leader voted a different way and having being able to listen to and respect and follow that leadership knowing hey I might not have lined up on everything here I think there's that's going to exist for a lot of Christians especially if we don't keep the biblical convictions the the, the gospel centeredness you know Christ centeredness has paramount in the church. And that's what that's where I keep going back to because if we're talking about how should Christians respond to the election, yes, mourning over what you see the candidate that is elected furthering a sinful agenda, like me mean truly there, there's policies that are not sinful, right? So I'm a I'm a small government guy. Like that's where I lean. I would be like a conservative libertarian, I guess. And so I'm I I would say small government and that's I'm pretty strong on that. I I think that's important. But it's not sinful if somebody's big government, right? Right. I, I don't I think agree that, with that. I don't think that can I be I absolutely agree with that. People have so, such a problem with So, yeah. So, I don't think that's sinful. Like, I, I can right. be very impassioned, uh, right. kindly impassioned that they're wrong and I disagree. But it's not sinful. What is, you know, what is sinful is not valuing life, right? But once again, how that's fleshed out and how it, how it applies is going to be very different for people. We each have a different position on how we would think that we would define how our political party values life. Right. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. We don't need to have the debate here. And I, I, before you just got into this, I was literally just about to, as our closing remarks say, we've purposefully not brought up any specific policies because I would like every Christian that listens to this, if you have a problem with what we're saying, there's a problem with you because all we've said is line things up with the Bible, be gracious, be Christ-like. So before 30 seconds ago, if you disagreed with anything we said, it's on you because all we're saying is being Christ-like as reactions to the uh, results of the election. But anyways, like I was saying, you know, we can disagree on that. And as long as you have your reasons, you think the Bible backs up, I'm fine with that. We could disagree. But that, that if you just said, I don't care about that aspect, I only care about big government. If you don't care about race and you think racism problem. is okay. Right. That's a problem. It doesn't matter that's where sin. you line up politically. Right. You're wrong. You're, you're in that sin, sin and that needs to be repented of. Exactly. Yeah. Now, how we address the issue of racism and, and systemic racism and all of that in our country and in the church. That's a now, now it's, it's, more, now it's much more nuanced. You see what you I know? did there? Yes. I, I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> it's much, it's much more nuanced, right? But, but Christians all align on as we value life, if we believe in the Imago Dei, which is the, the when we talk about the image of God, <laughs> One one side's like, yes, we believe in that, and so we're anti-racism. And the other side's like, we believe in that, and so we're anti-abortion. Exactly. And we should be Both. pro I, – I believe convictionally we should be pro-Imago Dei in all realms right. of life. 
Now, how we're going to go about that, we're going to have a lot of conversations right. and yeah. some differences. We believe the image of God is in all races, all babies. people. Right. Yeah, all Everything. people, born, right. unborn, black, exactly. white, it doesn't matter, exactly. male, female. Like they're in all people. They're even in the, the people who would disregard the Imago Dei right. and, and not believe yeah. in it Correct. And, and not not hold to biblical principles. It's still there. And so we still value them. We don't degrade them. Scott's been, been saying about, you know, for, I forget dehumanizing. The, the, the verbiage. Yeah, but yeah. not dehumanizing somebody. Even if they are in some ways dehumanizing themselves, right, like, exactly. even if even if they are, even if they deserve it, <laughs> even if they're stripping themselves of of the Imago Dei, and they're right. saying uh, they still have the Imago Dei, even if they deny that, and so they should be treated with compassion and courage and conviction and told what's right and wrong, and so that's what we're getting at here is. I I do think there are solid Christians who are trying to address these big biblical concepts according to political framework, and that's that's fine, that's that's good, but when we look at the election, post election. Are we seeking to unify the church? Are we are we seeing Jesus as king? Are we seeing him as sovereign, in control, not surprised, not wringing his hands and wailing, still mourning over sin? Like I, that's really the adage of how would Jesus respond to this if he was an American in the 21st century? Like how would he truly respond? Like not not your caricature of Jesus, mm-hmm. but how would the biblical Jesus respond to this? I think you know he would mourn over sin. Like he would mourn over the devastation. He would he prayed in John 17. At the end of his life, for the unity of the church, like that, that his church would be unified, not around political policies and ideologies, but around gospel, around him. Like as as you and I, Father, are one. May my church be one. That's what I hope that Christians will shoot for as as the results come in. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.